0: morning, I wanted to start with something that was very positive, I think, that will encourage us all. Many of y'all may have heard about this over the week, um, but I wanted to share it anyway. Uh, How many of y'all heard about the little six-year-old boy named Bridger Walker from Wyoming who saved his sister from the the German shepherd that uh, was about to attack her? And this little boy stepped in front of his sister, and unfortunately, the dog Grabbed his face. He had over 99 stitches. I think we got a picture. Not the real graphic one. I decided not to show. But there he is right there. That's Bridger. Um, and he had pretty extensive of damage on his face. Saving his little sister. And uh, he had to go through a two hour surgery. Because of this. And this is what he said y'all. He said. I figured if someone had to die. I thought it should be me. Now, what six-year-old has the capacity to think like that? I don't think that's something you can teach your kids. I was trying to think, if I told my 10-year-old Sawyer he needed to protect his sister from a charging dog, I don't think he would have had that same (laughs) reaction. I'd like to think that, but I just don't think that would have. He was like, I just got to outrun her, you know. But that's amazing. Well, one of the neat things that happened is, is that he is a big Avengers fan. And I, y'all might have heard this too. But the Avenger actors heard about this. And lots of them contacted him via um, FaceTime. The first one, I think, was uh, Chris Evans, who's Captain America. And he FaceTime with him and said, Pal, you're a hero. And what you did was so selfless. Your sister is so lucky to have you as a big brother. And your parents must be so proud of you. And he's sending him... A official Captain America shield to his house. And then I heard also Tom Holland, who plays Spider-Man, also reached out to him and has invited him to actually be on the set of Spider-Man 3. And then Mark Ruffalo, who's Bruce Banner or Hulk Smash, um, he reached out to him. And Jeremy Renner, who's Hawkeye. And Brie Larson, who's Captain Marvel, also all reached out to Bridger. So he has been, I think, last count, over 250,000 people have reached out because of that post. So it's a, a very interesting story. But again, I think about that. How does somebody have that at six years old? I don't think that's something that you can teach a child. It's something that's in someone to do something, to have that kind of courage, isn't it? It's, it's amazing when you think about it. But I thought about, have we ever been in a situation where we had some absolute fears about something, um, but we had to set those aside to either help someone or because of a very deep conviction. We were scared to say something, we were scared to do something, but because of a deep conviction, because of the situation at hand, we said, I've got to step up and do that. I don't know if y'all have ever been in a situation like that. But it's not an easy thing. And sometimes we have time to think about it. How am I going to respond to this person? How am I going to respond to this particular situation? And we have time to maybe plan how we're going to respond. But there's other times when we don't have that time. We don't have time to maybe get some counsel. We don't have time to maybe talk to someone or, or pray about it or make a plan for it. We just are thrust into a spur-of-the-moment decision like this This kid Bridger was just all of a sudden here comes a dog charging at his sister and he has to make a split-second decision. Well, today I want us to look at a story from the Bible where uh, a crisis had certainly developed. And really there were lots of crises going on in this particular time in history. But in this crisis situation, those involved actually did have some time to think about one particular crisis... But later, a crisis arises where they have to make a split-second decision to act, and in this particular case, or not to act. So we're going to look at Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 28. And I believe that's going to be on the screen for us. Yeah. Let me just kind of give you a little bit of background, um, and I'll give some more later. But basically, this is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And a lot of y'all probably remember that. If not, I'm glad you're here. I always say that because there might be somebody that's not heard a biblical story before. And I don't want to assume anything. I was blessed to grow up and have the little flannel graph figures on the board. And somebody taught me about all that. But these are awesome stories that are in the Bible for a reason. To teach us about how God has worked through people. Um, And as you know... The Israelites have been taken from their home. They have been invaded by the Babylonians. And so these young men, along with Daniel, the best and brightest of Israel, were taken captive. And basically said, you will work for us. We are going to indoctrinate you into Babylonian culture, religion, and all that we do. And so they took the best and brightest young men and indoctrinated them into how the Babylonians do things. And this is kind of where these young men are. And they've done very well... Up until this point, but the one thing that they've been able to not compromise on is their faith in God. Because in Babylon, there are many gods, many pagan gods that, that the Babylonians worship, and they know about these. But they've given um, the Jews some, some leeway in just worshiping their own God. But this has called this has caused jealousy among those who know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel. Are in high positions and they're jealous of those, so they're looking for a way to oust them. And so, this is kind of what happens here. So, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has built this huge 90 foot gold statue that he expects everybody to bow down to. And so, Some of these people who were jealous of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and their positions go, Hey, they're not bowing down, king. Didn't you say that anybody that doesn't bow down gets thrown into the furnace? Well, yes, I did. Well, that's what needs to happen because these guys are not bowing down. Well, the king's a little distraught because he really likes these guys. He knows that they're really good at what they do and they've been put in these he's put them in these positions because they're really good at what they do. It helps the nation even though they are not really Babylonians, they're helping. And so he's distraught, but he has to go through with what he's put as an edict. So that's where we come today. So he finds out that they haven't been bowing down. It says, Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And is is it not working? I got my Bible over here if that's not going to. That's probably what I ought to do. I think we're having some technical difficulties, but that's all right. All right. Nothing like having to read the print anyway, right? All right. We have it now? No, All right, we're going to keep going then. So he says, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not um, serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then... What God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, listen to this, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly uh, tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown and and we threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your Majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the uh, looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor a hair on their heads was singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise Be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. And I'm going to stop right there. Now again, this may be a a, a familiar passage to you, a familiar story to you. And again, some of the background I think... um, We need to really understand because they have been completely taken out of where they grew up. They were probably little boys, maybe teenagers when all this happened in 586 B.C. when the Babylonians came into Jerusalem and destroyed. I don't know if any of us can fathom what it would be like to have where you lived, the community, the town you lived in, completely destroyed by an enemy and burned. The church, to watch the church. and It was a synagogue, obviously, a temple. But this great temple, they watched it get completely obliterated and burned. And they watched people get killed that they had known their whole lives. And then they were all chained and marched some 700 miles back to Babylon. As they turned and looked to see where they grew up. Completely up in flames and completely destroyed. And they're watching these temple items... All this gold and silver that was in the temple being taken and going to be taken back to Babylon to be used by pagan gods. So try to understand this is the trauma that these guys have been through. And now they're in a foreign land, taught to speak a a new language, new cultures, and all this stuff is going on. And they're still able to somehow survive. And not only survive, but thrive. And they're doing well. They're trying to... Uh, Be a part of this Babylonian culture, but yet stay faithful to God. And they somehow are doing this. And you think about it, they've been taught the customs. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not really their names. They renamed them from their Jewish names to Babylonian names. So everything they hear is a reminder that you're under our thumb. We are in control now, no longer you. And you notice how Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm going to throw you into the furnace, and now what God is going to save you? See, he's a polytheist, multiple gods. He's used to that, but he's saying, who's going to save you? So this time of of adaptation gave the Jews cause to reflect on why did this happen to us? We were God's chosen people. Why did this happen to us? How could this happen to the mighty Israelite nation that another country would come in and take us captive like this. But it caused them to reflect and repent because God had sent multiple prophets over the years and says, you have become polytheistic yourself. You have uh, started to worship many gods instead of just me. Remember the covenant we had? You have forsaken that. And over and over again, they would send prophets and say, you need to stop you need to get back you need to repent and finally God had had enough and he allowed them to be taken over. So that's what I think we need to see how serious this was kind of an issue was going on at that time. But what I think is important for us to see here this morning is also is this was not a crisis of faith for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We might think it was, but it wasn't. Because when he said, I'm going to throw you into the fire, if you don't, I'm going to give you one more chance to bow down. First he asked them, I hear you're not bowing down to that big gold statue. Yeah, that's right, we're not. Well, I'm going to give you one more chance, and then who's going to save you? And they say, we, we don't need to defend ourselves, king. We have already decided. We are already convicted of who the one true God is. We are aware of that. We were raised to know who God is. We are very aware. Not only did the Jews know that they had been taken from, the, from Jerusalem because of their sin of idolatry. They are aware of that. But you know what? Their enemies know this too. And You know how they know? Because we couldn't defeat Israel for years. We never could defeat Israel. Why can we defeat Israel now? And they know it's because their God... Is upset with them and has allowed them to go into captivity because of their idolatry. So they've had time to reflect on this. And isn't it interesting that these young men are showing their repentance by going, you know what? We're not going to do this. We're not going to bow down to this. We are going to, you know, you can do whatever you want to do, but we are not going to bow down. To this image of gold. They knew the consequences. They knew they were going to be thrown into this fire. And this was a spur of the moment thing. They had faith that God was able to save them. But notice what they said. Even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to you. Now they were right, weren't they? Because if you throw us in the furnace, well then we're not going to be alive to bow down to your, king, your, your statue anyway. But they were right. We know our God. We have faith. We have conviction that we're going to stand true to that no matter what happens. And you can throw us in the furnace, but we're not going to bow down. Now, you think about that. Well, it, is that really faith they have? If they're saying, well, I don't know, if, even if he doesn't. But the Bible gives us a definition of faith, doesn't it? In Hebrews 11.1, 1, a lot of you all probably know this. Faith is being sure of what we hope for And certain of what we do not see. And the Hebrew writers in chapter 11 gives us this roll call of faith. About all these Old Testament um, heroes and characters who had faith. And he says, and he names them off. And he even refers to this particular incident. Saying God was in this fiery furnace. He saved them from this. So yes they do. They they are certain of what they hope for. And they are certain of what they don't see yet. And they're willing to die for it. And so they go into this situation. Now today I want, want us to, I want to ask us a question. What in our lives are we so convicted about that we are willing to die for? Or even greater, what are we willing to live for? Because we have to live for it before we're really willing to die for it. What is there in your life that you would be willing to die for? Not just believe it. Not just have a knowledge about it. Not just be willing to argue about it on Facebook or social media. But really, would you be willing to die for what your convictions are? We've been talking about this in our Wednesday night study on 1 Peter. And somebody said the definition of the difference between faith or belief, I should say, and conviction is... ...is that one, you're willing to argue about... And one you're willing to die for. And that's conviction. That is conviction willing to die for something. These guys had that conviction, didn't they? They had seen all this trauma. And I think how easy it would have been to just bow down. We've got these incredible jobs as Jews. We know that we've been put in a very high um, ranking. We have very important jobs. And our life is really pretty good. So all we have to do is bow down when we hear the music. And everything will be okay. Okay, you did it. Good job. Thanks for doing that. Just playing the game. But they didn't do that, did they? Then it would have made all those people who said they weren't really bowing down look bad. And they would have still had their jobs. And they would have just rolled along. But they couldn't do that. There was conviction that says I can't do that. They had character. They had integrity. They had faith and conviction that they were certainly willing to die for. And it appears God's plan was not to have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego die as martyrs. That would have been something that we would still probably have heard about. Like, wow, they died in that fiery furnace for what they believed in. They refused. And we'd still be hearing that story that they died as martyrs, and we would still go, wow, those were amazing guys. But instead, they made even a greater impact because God intervened. But think about it. If they had died... As just martyrs. And I shouldn't say just. But as martyrs. That would have instilled fear in so many people. We better do what the king says or he will kill us. But that's not. Fear is not really love. It's something different. I'm only doing it because I'm, I'm fearful. But God's plan involved a supernatural act. That served these three. But also pointed to this powerful king Nebuchadnezzar. And their surrounding neighbors had landed them in captivity. They knew this. Their enemies knew why they were in captivity, but they're going, they're in captivity, like I just mentioned, because of idolatry, but they're not going to bow down this time. They've done this for years. They've taken on other gods to try to help them and do whatever, but these three are not going to do that. They've learned their lesson. This had to have an impact on King Nebuchadnezzar because of their character. But in this situation, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego show clearly that though they are a citizen, although they are a part of this kingdom called Babylon where they live. They will not serve or worship the pagan gods of this Babylonian kingdom. They won't do it. They show repentance and the clear conviction that God wanted and needed Israel to reflect all along. But they had not. When we in faith, any of us, hold firmly to our convictions based on God's words and His promises, God always does something to reveal Himself. Yesterday when I'm at that funeral, I, I just go, I don't understand this, God. How is it that an 18-year-old girl wants to go skydiving and the first time she does, she loses her life? I don't know if that bothered any of y'all, but it bothered me immensely still as I'm sitting there. But, and as I walked in to the funeral home and sat down, I was troubled, just The whole image. Went to Northgate over here. Just graduated. Wanted to be a teacher. Desperately wanted to be a teacher. And I'm seeing all these teenagers. And I'm like, man, this is not a good thing. But man, after the service, y'all, what God put on the hearts of those who spoke was amazing. That girl had a faith. A very strong faith. I knew her from here. I didn't really get to know her. I wasn't sure where her faith was. But after that service... Very strong faith, her and her family, very much so. So that certainly encouraged me. But again, I thought, this is one of those things. God shows up even in times where we think, you're not here, God. No, I am here. I'm always here. Maybe not supernaturally, maybe not immediately, but God does reveal himself. Many times it is in a mysterious way, and all of y'all probably have stories like that, yet powerfully in ways that we never see coming. God does something amazing. Like even through this little boy named Bridger, saving his sister. So many people in a time where we need some good news are inspired by a six-year-old little boy. And notice in this text, there's a fourth man in the furnace walking around. And y'all probably, some believe that this is a foreshadowing of Jesus actually being uh, in there with these three guys. We don't know that for sure, but if you think about it, in the future there was going to be a new kingdom. There was going to be a new covenant. And Jesus would be the one that would come to earth and reveal that new kingdom and that new covenant. And he was being revealed right there. As a result of the faith and unwavering conviction of these men, even the king praised God. In verse 28, He like, it's almost like he's glad. I really didn't want them to die because I like these guys, but they won't do what I want them to do. They won't bow down to this, this, this image.
1: What is it about
0: these guys? And so he's impressed with their conviction. He says, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. He believes that it's an angel in there. They trusted in him and defied the king's command. He's even saying, they defied me. I know they defied me and I couldn't let that happen, but their God is more powerful than me. This is the beginning because we know later, if you know anything about Nebuchadnezzar, God is working on him. It's not just about the Israelite nation. It's about the Babylonian nation. It's not just about the United States. It's about the whole world that the gospel and that God is working in people's lives. They trusted and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Even in the midst of this political and national crisis for them, they held their convictions. Even in the midst of a hard consequence and punishment being endured, they held their conviction. Even in the midst of a life and death crisis, They held their conviction. And God uses this crisis to reveal his character, his saving power, to an arrogant pagan king who has set himself up as really an object of worship. So what lessons do we learn today? Well, I think there's obviously a lot of them that we can think about. We are in a political, in a medical, and a cultural crisis right now in our country, aren't we? We really are. And we, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, have this opportunity in, various, in these various crises to reveal what our character is, what our conviction is, and reveal what God's character is by the way we respond to these different things. Can we be in a pagan kingdom? Now, Craig, are you saying that the United States is a pagan kingdom? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody believes so? We're getting really on a greasy slide with no handles there pretty fast, aren't we? It makes us think about it. But how are we going to make... And there's a lot of gods that we worship in our nation, don't we? There's a lot of gods. And still, we need to make a strong impact and hold on to our Christian principles and convictions. And it's not easy... There will be people who want us to fall just like they wanted Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego to fall. They'll want to destroy us and discredit our character and faith. But we have to stay strong in doing that. And here's the deal. We had better be clear about what we believe and why we believe it. We need to be real clear about that and why we believe it. And we can say that as we read in, in Peter. Peter says, be ready always to give A reason for the hope that is within you, but do that with gentleness and respect. And we can do that with gentleness and respect. Did you see anger? Did you see hatred in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Hey, we don't need to defend ourselves, king. We are perfectly convicted on what we know we stand on. And we're willing to die for that. They didn't have to scream. They didn't have to throw things. They didn't have to start fires and destroy things. They just said, hey, this is is where I stand on this. And it showed their character and the God's character. So today I just want to close with this. We need to be the kind of people that people look at us and go praise be the God of put your name in that blank. Praise be to the God of put your name in that blank. Who is his servant? who She is his servant. Who trusts in God. Who lives for him and is willing to give up their life rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Can people look at us And what we believe and what we put our faith in and say, I want what they have. They have true conviction. And you know, that's exactly what Jesus modeled here on earth, that conviction. And he was not only willing to give up his life, he did give up his life to make sure that we could be with him eternally, forever. And that's the hope that we have to take with us. Yesterday, as I left that funeral, I said, that young lady is in heaven. She made that commitment. She had a conviction of who Jesus Christ was and she is with her Lord and Savior now. And so we need to have that same conviction and I pray that God will give that to us. This morning I want to offer an invitation as we always do. There may be somebody here today that needs to make a decision for Jesus and maybe you're not comfortable coming this morning, I understand that, but if you want to talk, i uh, be glad to talk to you face to face. We can do it over Zoom, whatever, during the week if you're not comfortable with that a phone call. but we're going to offer that invitation right now. If you're looking for a church home, we are certainly not perfect. We don't have all the answers, but we we certainly believe in this Word of God. And we know we need to learn from it constantly. And we want to have that kind of conviction that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. So this morning, if you have a decision to make, we we'll give you that opportunity as Mike leads us this morning. We'll stand.